welcome to the Strong Opinion Hibs podcast. This is the first episode of our new series. Tonight we're joined by Charleston Battery's Chief Operating Officer, Mike Kelleher. How are you doing, Mike? I'm very well, thanks, Calvin. Good. I'm also joined, as usual, by Jack and Charlie. How are you guys? I'm fine. Very good. Looking forward to this. I'm buzzing. Excellent. So, of course, this interview is to just get a little insight into the strategic partnership that Hibs, our club, um, have set up with Charleston. Um, but first of all, Mike, we're just going to do a quick little get to know you for some of the fans um, on our end, the Hibs fans. Sure. So, obviously, um, you're, you're, a lot of people might think being in America, you're actually from Charleston yourself, but you're actually from the UK. Um, so, what was it like growing up in the UK in terms of football? Uh, who got you into football? Yeah, look, I think it was, um, I grew up uh, in the east of London um, and definitely my dad got me into football. Uh, the story goes, I was six years old, uh, came home from school, told my dad I'm a Manchester United fan. He said, no, you're not, son. <laughs> Next Saturday, we're off to Upton Park and West Ham, and, and I grew up a West Ham fan. I was a season ticket holder for about 10 years there. Still follow the club every, you know, every week. Um, and so that was my passion. Of going, I remember going, as probably we all did, as a six-year-old, going into the stadium, going up the steps, you know, late 70s at that time, very different to it is today. Um, and then grew up in you know, West Ham through and through, you know, uh, despite my, my career. Fortunate enough to have a career in the game, but, but I'm a West, big West Ham fan. Excellent. That's good news. Um, so who were some of your football and idols growing up then, watching West Ham and obviously England national team? Who were some of your idols? Yeah, that I mean, at that time, uh, you know, obviously you, you gentlemen there from Scotland, Frank McAvenny was, was a big hero of mine <laughs> oh, yeah. in 86. Um, I think Paolo Di Canio was mine a little bit later on after Frank McAvenny, Trevor Brookin, obviously talking about England and, and that sort of era. So, so that, those were my heroes as players, you know, as a kid. And, and then later on with, with, with Di Canio, certainly he was someone that I really enjoyed watching. Excellent. And obviously growing up as well, being in England, um, not that long ago, Scottish football and English football, there wasn't that much of a difference between it. Did you keep a close eye on the Scottish game growing up? Yeah, I did. Um, again, uh, a little West Ham link. Uh, West Ham signed a player called Ray Stewart from Dundee United. Uh, I remember my dad going up to, on, on to work up in Dundee for a little bit and he came back with a signed programme. So Dundee United became my, you know, Scottish team at that time, I suppose, in the 80s. And they were very successful, as you, you're probably all aware, mm -hmm. at that time as well. So obviously followed the game. And, and then, you know, with the likes of Frank McAvenny coming down, it was, it was you know, there was always one or two Scottish players in, in most English teams at that time as well. So very much in the rivalry of England-Scotland, you know, at the national team level. I remember going to Wembley Stadium, I think in the, I think it was the European Championship qualifiers at the two-legged, I think I think Scotland won. I think Don Hutchinson scored was mm. the last time I remember going to that game. But, but yeah, very much so. You know, it's, it's a good rivalry and, and, uh, and you know, very, the strength of the game is, is above all things amongst the rivalry, you know? Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that. Um, so, obviously, you said you sort of took a liking to Dundee United through some of the links you had at West Ham. Um, were you aware of Hibs growing up? Obviously, we're a Hibs podcast. We're here to talk about Hibs. Um, what were your sort of thoughts on Hibs growing up? Did you manage to catch any maybe Hibs-Dundee United matches or anything like that? I mean, I don't remember. I know Neil Orr played for Hibs, didn't he? I think, is that right? Yeah. He was another West Ham player from that team. So, so obviously, Hibernian there, I think... I think West Ham signed him from Morton and then he went to Hibs after West Ham. You, you correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, so I, I followed Hibernian and, uh, you know, not followed them, but I was obviously aware of them, uh, you know, being one of the biggest sides in Scotland. So, no, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, of course. So, yeah, a couple other links as well. I think Ricardo Vazte in more uh, recent terms, I think yeah. he was joined up with West Ham as well as Hibs. Um, I think he was a derby scorer as well, wasn't he, guys? He did. He scored in a, a derby. Yeah. We, I think we drew or got beat. I don't think we won it, but um, he scored in a derby. I think it was 2-2. Two, two. Uh, but, yeah, so we're just um, moving into the section to talk about the partnership we've got with Charleston Barry. It's a really good partnership um, from a fan just looking in. It's something I've read up on, obviously, everything the club's put out about it. Uh, and I obviously follow Charleston Battery, their results quite closely now and follow them on Twitter and always getting uh, stuff in the news feed about them. But in terms of the partnership, uh, I'd love to learn a little bit more about it. And I think a lot of Hibs fans as well would, would as well, because we've had quite a good reaction in terms of People knowing you were coming on the podcast, you know, a lot of people were really interested in asking questions. But we'll just start by asking, um, could you tell us a little bit about your role at Charleston Battery, Mike? So, so my job title is, is the Chief Operating Officer of, of the Charleston Battery and, and um, really, really encompasses a lot of the business side of, of the, the football club. Um, though in the last year and a half, we were, we were bought by... Um, a group of owners headed up by Rob Salvatore and, and my role changed so much in so much that it became, you know, oversee the football side you know, rather than all the sponsorship, the market and all that sort of piece. So, so I, you know, that's kind of my background, if you like, but before coming to America, I worked for the Premier League for five years in England with the academy system and, and, and what have you. So, so I'm really involved in, you know, the, the players contracts, the, we, we moved stadiums. So I was involved in the stadium moves. I suppose that's a little bit away, but still linked to the football side, their training facility. Uh, everything and anything to do with, with, with us getting to play and, and, and that side of things. So, so really, that, that's my role in, in the club as is right now. And, and if we're, you know, well, don't need to go into too much detail right now, but we're a, a, we're a standalone first team. So we don't have an academy. We don't have a reserve mm -hmm. team. So looking at those things, what would make the most sense? To, um, we don't have a women's team right now. So, so all those things and weighing up, is this a good thing for us to do? Present it to, to the ownership and, and see mm -hmm. and those decisions from there. Yeah, then um, that's that's interesting as well because obviously there's a lot of things you could learn from Hibs there, and just in terms of seeing links between the partnerships, obviously Hibernian's women team is really successful, um, and you know I think that would be a great thing. Like you're saying, um, being a standalone um, team, you're also standalone in terms of other sports in America because in the UK obviously football is the the most popular sport, but in America, you know, soccer as you call it over there, it's it's the fourth most popular sport. Uh, behind American football, but baseball and then basketball. So what's that like in terms of the football um, culture in Charleston? Uh, I see the stadium's around 5,000 um, fans. Is there a big attendance or is football growing over there? Look, it's certainly growing. I've been here 20 years and, and it's almost night, and not just in Charleston, but in America, 20 years. And, and it's almost night and day from when I come over. And, and you're seeing things like... Um, Atlanta United, for example, mm. in, in Major League Soccer, getting 70,000 yeah. people watching them. Uh, you're seeing um, you know, other clubs. We played FC Cincinnati about three or four years ago when they was in our league, and there were 27,000 people at the game. Uh, so, so it is growing. It's certainly now a young. It used to be, it, you know, again when I first came, it was about the participation numbers were high with kids playing and that sort of thing. But, but now we're seeing spectator numbers are higher. I think the, the, the Premier League being on the M, on NBC on the major network here has changed that vision as well. And, and, and people and David Beckham coming not only as a, as a player, but also yeah. as an owner now mm. has raised the profile and, and shown that it's a serious part of the sporting fabric in this country. You know, obviously there's, it, it's not going to replace American football. It's not necessarily going to replace mm -hmm. basketball, basketball, but, 
but there's room for our sport, no doubt about it. And, and the World Cup coming in 2026 is going to elevate it even more so again. Mm. Exactly, yeah, I would, I would agree as well. And I think that um, you, you see a lot of people over here in Scotland and, you know, in the UK in general, wearing a lot of MLS teams' jerseys. Uh, things that they obviously buy when they're on holiday is collectible, but no, it's, it's, it's definitely growing and their teams are becoming a lot more popular here as well, especially with Hibs signing uh, Christian Muller from the Orlando City. Um, you know, and obviously the, the US national team has quite um, a lot of success as well. But so we'll just move on again. What is, uh, what is it about Hibs that attracted Charleston as a, as a potential partner? What was it they seen in Hibs and the way that Hibs was run that you thought that would be a good um, partner to work with? Uh, well, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll go back a little bit more and how it kind of came about. Um, I was at an event here in, in America, in Miami, called Soccer X. And it, mm -hmm. it started off in, in the UK, Soccer X, about 20-odd years ago. I remember being one of the first ones. But And, and uh, a gentleman reached out to me and said, love to meet you, love to pick your brain about the USL and, and the clubs. And that, that happened to be Ron Gordon, who, who is now <laughs> the owner of, of Hibernian. And we, we struck up, you know, we were chatting and we had a coffee and, and we're talking about things and... and uh, he said, I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm looking at buying a club in Europe. And, and so I was, you know, he never let on who it was, and rightly so. But, but that, obviously that became Hibernian. And, and, and long story short, his son was, was living in Charleston. Um, and then we started talking and, and how we can do things and, and what have you. And I was looking for relationships as well uh, for our players more than anything, because we think we've got some talented players here. Uh, one of the big differences between the European football system and, and, and America is the transfer market. Mm. If, I, if, if I'm running a similar size club in, in Europe, wherever that may be, you know, England, Scotland, wherever, one of their main revenue streams would be selling players. That's almost non-existent in this country in terms of certainly at our level. You see at the top level now, you're seeing Almiron going to Newcastle from Atlanta, Alfonso mm. Davis going from the Whitecaps to Bayern Munich. But lower down the levels, you know, a lot of our players would just leave at the end of their contract and, and we've had three, four, five going to MLS and, and have zero compensation for that in the last you know, three or four years. So, so for me, it was given an opportunity for players initially, trying to find clubs, wherever it may be, uh, that we could send one or two players at the end of our season and say, look, first of all, are you interested in signing him? Secondly, is, is he, what level is he at? Is, is he good enough for you? Is he a little bit less? And, and so without saying Hibernian was the club, it kind of fell in in our lap, so to speak, when you have a relationship with the owner of a football club, rather than doing it with a, a, market, a marketing director or the head coach, or whatever that may be, it, it opens up a lot more doors across just sending players. You know, we can now, I know you, you probably get into it more, but you know, things like our social media people now have a relationship with, with Hibernian social media people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we want to talk about sponsorship strategy or ticket sales and whether we, we now can pick up the phone because we have this, this good relationship between the owners and, and, and not just, you know, someone who knows someone, which, which can often be the case. Yeah, that's a really nice key insight. It seems like the, it sort of came about a lot more natural then rather than forced, um, which, is, yeah. which is good. It seems quite, it came about uh, quite organic. So what are some of the key positives you have found from working with Hibs so far? Well, I think very much an open, you know, I was actually there in, in June. I don't know if you picked up on that. I was there for a couple of days and, and spent some time at the training ground and spent some time with Greg McEwen and, and uh, yeah. very open club, very friendly club. Um, really, you know, uh, was fortunate enough to you know, have a coffee with Jack Ross in his office and, and, and just, you know, I think you read about this, about, you know, you, there's certain clubs around the world, uh, 
that, that, that have that openness and warmth about them. And, and there's no doubt the burden for me was that was that on that particular occasion. And again, maybe it helped having the relationship with the owner of the club because the doors mm-hmm. are open. But but it was a great you know a great visit from our behalf. So so some of the things you know we're looking looking to do beyond that you know is you know COVID has got there's no high and COVID's got in the way of a lot of things we wanted to do. As you may be aware, there's a travel ban right now. Um, mm-hmm. from, most countries in Europe, including the UK, on people coming into this country, unless you've got a green card or a, or a passport, so or American passport. So, so there was, you know, there's lots of things we want to do and we will do, but once the travel ban's lifted, you know, so so that's kind of where we're at with, the, with some of those things. Absolutely, yeah. So obviously, in terms of COVID as well, like you were saying, the it sort of stopped players coming from club to club. However, there were two players that came over and joined Hibs and trained with Hibs. Um, well, we have the chance to see any of the Hibernian players come over to Charleston to train. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that, that was one of the big things we wanted to do and, and, and we still want to do. And, and, and I'm speaking, you know, I, I speak regularly to Ian Golden and, and Graham mm-hmm. Matthew, uh, about, you know, which players may be available. Um, in, in an ideal world, we wanted, you know, our coach to go over at the end of our, our season will end sometime in November. And we'd like mm-hmm. our coach and, and we'll go pre-season in February 1 for next year. So we're a little bit opposites, but we'd like our coach to go over to see players that may be available, you know, later on in November, December time. So we get an opportunity to bring them back this way, you know, one or two, two or three, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. So yes, that's absolutely part of it. And, and for us, it's to go get a couple of our players back into the, into Hibernian, into Edinburgh, uh, you know, again, November, December time to see if if there's anything that's of interest there. Mm -hmm. And obviously with players coming over as well, the, the infrastructure at the club Hibs have obviously the, the first team, but they also have the reserve team. Would it be the first team that you would be looking to put your take players from or would it be the reserve team? Um, so just players, in terms... Sorry, players coming to Charleston, you're talking about? Uh, going both ways, yeah. I think that depends on the on the age of the player, the level of the player, where he's at in his career. I mm-hmm. think, you know, for, for us to think we're going to take one of your first team players, I think it's highly unlikely. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. we we know where we are in the pecking order. Um, so I think you're looking for, from Eric, from from players coming from Scotland to here. I think you're looking at a, it'll be a young player, maybe isn't quite good enough for the first team. It might be yeah. a young player where they want to get a bit more experience, go and get a bit more worldly, go and spend three months in, in another part of the world. Um, hope you know a talented young player that they want to, who you want to bring back. And then mm-hmm. from our end, I think it's you know again saying, have we got players of, of the level that could play in Scotland in the, in the top league in Scotland? We, you know we we do believe we've got some talented players here. We, we've got a, a Grenadian international, Bermuda international, a young Jamaican mm-hmm. centre forward. So so we've got. Very Caribbean, the climate here in Charleston alludes to the Caribbean. You know, you had Leland Archer, centre-back for Trinidad. Um, now, what they're like in the middle of winter in, in Edinburgh is, is a different story. <laughs> yeah. you know, and Leland saw snow for the first time when he was training with you. But, but, but those, mm. you know, on, on the football side, what level are they at? Where, where are they at? If it's not Scotland, where, where do we need else to send them? Charleston shouldn't be the end of someone's career, certainly a young player if he's doing well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when Leland came over here, I listened to his interview and he was saying that what one of the things that did surprise him was the level of ability over in at, at Hibs. But it was nice to hear in his interview that that wasn't something that put him off. That was something that actually inspired him to, you well, know, re- really knuckle down. 
which I think would be a really good experience for obviously a lot of the Charleston players coming over to Hibs. No, absolutely. Yeah, you know, as we all know, it's a global game, and, and there's many levels to this game. And, and um, yeah, it, it, for us, it's a great opportunity. We we think we can sign players based off of our relationship with Hibernian or. or other clubs in different parts of the world because we can give them that opportunity. You know, like I said, if you do well with us, there's an opportunity beyond us. Yeah, I think so as well. And um, in the past couple of years, I think Hibs have taken a little bit of um, a little bit of negative flack from the supporters because there has been quite a few young players developed at Easter Road that haven't quite made the cut. And you know, they've went um, League One, League Two in in, in Scotland. Um, but perhaps sending them over to Charleston, building up their confidence, putting them out of their comfort zone in a different part of the world uh, could potentially build them up and bring them back to Hibs as well, which would be quite quite sure. good in terms of the partnership. I mean, there's many pathways for, for young professional footballers and not everyone would develop at the same rate. And, and uh, yeah, you never know. By coming here, it might inspire that player to, to, to become a, a regular back at Hibernian. Um, in terms of the the partnerships off the field, obviously there's obviously the link with the players sending players yeah. back and forth to get experience. Um, do you at Charleston? Do your management team do they have Zoom meetings or press conferences at all with Hibernian to share things about with people like Jack Ross or John Potter um, to share information on tactics or tr- different types of um, drills they're doing in training uh, formations, anything like this? We haven't done anything like that yet, and, and like mm-hmm. I, said, I think I think that becomes more that those things become easier. I think when you meet in person, I think there's no there's no yeah. substitute. You know, like me now going to meet Greg Greg McEwen when I was over. I, I, you know, again aside away from the football side, but but that now becomes someone you can pick up the phone to, drop an email to, tell us your thoughts on this, rather than going in cold. Mm. So, so I think on on terms of you know coaching side or, or, or whatever that may be, I think that will happen in the future. I've no doubt about that. We, we were. We were talking earlier this year about bringing Jack Ross over for the, you know, for a summer or for a couple mm-hmm. of weeks or so, doing a little mini camp with some local kids here, um, and and having Jack speak to local coaches, of course, including our coaching staff in that as well. So I think if that had happened, I think you'd have had a a more regular conversation. So, but I think that's something that will happen in the future. There's no doubt about that. Exactly, and obviously, as you already um, sort of sort of highlighted, that's obviously because of COVID. Yeah. Um, I sort of take a back seat just now, which we can understand. But, um, what is there in the next couple of months that Hibs fans can get excited about with the partnership with Charleston? I think look, the next couple of months, our season will be. You know, we're at the the latter stage of our season, so I think it's back to those players. You know, which players will come over, get the experience that Leland had. And hopefully go beyond what Leland did and maybe get an opportunity to stay beyond the trial period. So, so I think we're looking at a couple of players coming again. We've started those conversations. Um, we, we don't necessarily talk to the players here yet about that because we want them to focus on Charleston. We, we want to be successful. We want to mm-hmm. we want to win the USL Championship, and, and that's what they should be. That's what they're paid to do. So, or to play for us at least. Mm. Um, so, so that's the thing. You know, in the next few weeks that will happen, or in the next couple of months that will happen. Uh, beyond that, you know, I, I know we, we've been talking and certainly would like to see Hibernian and Hibernian's first team come to Charleston. Uh, we've mm-hmm. hosted a number of teams in the past. Uh, Rangers was the last overseas team to come here. I was involved with that before I worked mm-hmm. at Charleston. We've had Sunderland, West Brom, Bolton Wanderers, Portsmouth um, in, in the years gone by, you know, before my time. So, so Charleston's a good place, certainly for the teams to come. We, we're... Um, we've hosted many major league soccer teams here as well in our pre-season tournament, which happens in February. So I think that's something 
you know, I think that supporters would be interested in hearing it. And, and certainly, you know, looking forward to hopefully next summer, uh, if, if the world is, is back to a degree of normality for travel. Yeah, that's something that uh, a lot of the fans were writing in about, seeing if there would be a friendly match taking place between the teams. <laughs> um, so we'll get on to that a lot bit later. No problem. Yeah, so I just wanted to ask, there'll be a lot of Hibs fans. Obviously, Leland Archer came over to do some training with Hibs in the first team. Who are some of the key players that Hibs fans that listen to the podcast might not know about? Who are some of the um, the players that are doing really well this season for Charleston? So, well, yeah, Leland's had another good season at centre-back. We, we've got we've got Joe Kuzminski, our goalkeeper. He spent, uh, I know you've got an Israeli goalkeeper. He had a little period, again, just before COVID hit a Maccabi Haifa in Israel. He went there on loan, but I think it was, you know, the COVID situation affected that going any mm-hmm. further. So he came back to us. He's had a really good season. Um, we have Zico Lewis, who, who's uh, the number 10 for Bermuda. Uh, very experienced mm-hmm. player, you know, you know centre-midfield, attacking player. Or, or he can play wide either side. Um, Naku Daly, very exciting, 20-year-old Jamaican, incredibly fast. Uh, I think if he wasn't any good with a ball at his feet, he'd be a sprinter. Um, <laughs> so he, he puts fear into, into defences whenever he plays. And we've also got AJ Patterson, who's, who's a left-sided player, plays for Grenada. Um, he's been the captain of Grenada. They were in the, in the Gold Cup, which is our version of the European Championships, CONCACAF version. So Grenada... Tiny nation playing in, in, in the Gold Cup. You know, he's had a great experience of that this past summer. So, look, I've missed, probably missed quite a few players there as well, but they're the ones that spring to mind who, who are doing well. And, 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 you know, there's every chance one or two of them may be over come the end of the season. Okay. Is there any Hibs players of um, the Charleston players I've been aware of? Is there any uh, players in the Hibs team that uh, you've maybe watched tape on and tried to learn something from them? I don't. I think you know from our the star point of view, there's one or two players we we're looking at at the end of your you know end of your season just gone. Uh, mm-hmm. that we were hopeful of getting over. Um, so you know we're looking at more the rather than the first team or looking to learn from the first team. It's that development yeah. squad, those players that we would look at. And and it, you know as, as the season, the, the Hibernian season is very much in its infancy. You know we, we will start having those conversations yeah. in the coming weeks as, as things start to settle down. You know, which players do you think we could have a look at? Which players might come over here? So that's what we would do as a staff here. Okay, excellent. I'm just going to pass you over to Charlie, who's going to take, take you through the next section. Yeah, so um, a little bit more future hopes and ambitions here. So, Mike, where do you see the partnership continuing to strengthen? Do you think there's, do you think this is a long-term partnership with Hibs or do you think it's a more of a short-term one? Or how do you see it going? No, look, I'd like to think it's a long-term partnership. I think I think that that depends. You know, I've been involved in other partnerships with clubs in, in, in other different parts of, of the game, but but it's it's often about individuals. It's often about those key people at the club, and and you know, I think Ian Gold and Graham Matthew that they've shown a real you know interest in what we're doing here on the playing side. Again, Greg McEwen was was incredibly welcoming when I came over, and and I think. I think it should, in my in my eyes, go from strength to strength. You know, we would both like a player to come. You know, both clubs would like a player to go either way, and I think then it, it builds on it. Uh, if if we get the first team here next summer, then that goes again. So and maybe Chelsea go to to Edinburgh in the not too distant future, which will, which would be good from our point of view. So yeah, look, I, I don't see it. it. I think COVID, as I said, has, has really affected uh, what we could have done in the last. 12 months, but but it's not to say we can't do that in the next year, two, three, four, five years. So I don't see it ending anytime soon. 
Yeah, and in terms of a, a bigger picture for Charleston, do you see that what you've learned from working with Hibs could potentially build for a future partnership with other teams in Scotland or or Europe or worldwide? I don't think. Yeah, look, I, I don't think you'd do another partnership in Scotland. I don't think there's any value in that. I think mm. I think we have to mm-hmm. with Hibernian and, 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 and you know, provided we're all happy with it, then that, that's what we would continue. But but certainly other parts of, of, of Europe where, you know, again, from a player's point of view, if we're looking to move players, there's only so many countries we could we can move players in terms of work permits and visas. Yeah. Um, England's not one of them. Um, and and so, so for me, it's identifying those countries and clubs that we can work with there, which, which I'm in the process of doing. So, so there may be one or two other clubs that, that we look to work with, and, but, but not necessarily on the level of working with Hibernian. That's, that's very unique having the, having the owner of the club fully on side. Hmm. And if you could sum up the partnership so far in one word, how would you describe it? One word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, promising, I guess. Promising. Hmm. Yeah, the, 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 yeah we, we, we've got a lot to look forward to. Great. So I'll just pass you over to Jack, who's got the, the last wee section for us. So I'm in the hot seat now for the listener <laughs> question. Um, but the first thing I'd want to add in is I've got a question of my own that I forgot to um, put into the tweet. Is Obviously, you spoke about women's football there, and obviously... The USA is really at the front runner for the women's game internationally. And obviously, we've got some American players at Hibs now. We've got Gabby English, a goalkeeper, and Alexa Cole and Tony, who are both Tony Malone, who are both forwards. Is there plans for Charleston Battery to begin working with women's football, even if it was working with a um, college? Because I know the college system's really big, women's football over there. Is there any plans for Charleston to start working within the women's game? And will we see any partnership with? It helps women if Charleston start working within the women's game. Yeah, good, good question. And yes, that mm. America is mm. has been years ahead for a long time. The college system is probably a lot is the reason because of that in this country. And and um, we have a team in in Charleston called the Charleston Fleet, which plays um, mostly collegiate players in the summer. Um, and and we have a great relationship with them. And and so. We work closely with them. We all share the same stadium, so they'll play their home games. I think they had about two or three home games this past summer. Again, COVID hit them as well. Um, but our league, the United Soccer League, has, linked to, has just launched the W League, which they are, they'd like us to, to take part in. We'll work with the Charleston fleet on that. We, we don't want to sort of take, you know, steal their thunder, if you like. But, but certainly, we, we want to feel part of the women's game in Charleston as well, whichever level that may be. So... Nothing right now to announce, but I think we continue those discussions internally here, but certainly to support that side of the game. Yeah, that's good. Um, moving on to the listener questions now. What real tangible benefits are we to expect in the short and medium term? It seems great on paper, but is it workable due to the standard of player? Yeah, no, I think that's right. Yes, a partnership that starts off you know, with ideas on paper is... Is, is of no value in the long term. So, so I've just you know, I've mentioned a couple of things like the the player exchange. I think uh, you know opportunities for coach education. I think opportunities to you know when I was again meeting with Greg McHugh and I'd, I'd spoken to our office. What, what do we want to learn more about? It's simple things like how you retain your season ticket holders, mm. uh, how you yeah. how you get your sponsors, and and what works in Edinburgh doesn't necessarily work in Charleston and vice versa. And, and I think that, you know, any time, you know, whatever business you're in and, and we're in the business, you know, I said about growing up as a fan, I'm fortunate enough to work in this business every day. You, you learn from other people and, you know, you, don't, you pick off things that work well. Same as 
I coach kids, you know, I've coached kids for, for, for a living as well. And, and you learn from other coaches and, and, and you'll, you'll pick off things that work well uh, at the academy at West Ham, for example. But you might pick one or two things off to work with your under 12s in Charleston. So I think learn, learning things that, that, that you, you know, it's the openness, the openness of sharing. I think that we can we can all help each other with. And, and that's, you know, and I know there's a couple of, you know, there's a, a couple of ideas. Some of the guys in the office have presented to Hibernian that, that they said, oh, we'll, we'll do that, you know. Hmm. Uh, I think one must. Uh, if I, I, I think this was down to me. It may not, may or may not have been. But I went in your club shop, and and I'd, I'd got the tour of, of the stadium, which I thought was fantastic. You know, traditional football stadium, which which I miss a lot, having living in America, mm-hmm. um, and also now being a West Ham fan that we don't have a traditional mm-hmm. football stadium yeah. anymore. But but and I saw it. I think it was down by the dressing rooms. George Best, and I think everybody. I'd forgotten he was at Hibernian, and I'm sure you know it's part of your history. And I said, yeah. Well, I forgot he was there. And then we, I went in the club shop and there was nothing George Best related. So I dropped mm. Greg a quick line and said, you, you could sell a retro shirt, Best 7 or 11 or whatever on the back. And I, I think a few weeks later, I saw it was it was in there. Now, whether or not... I've got, got one. Back to yeah, you got one. Okay. Brilliant. I managed to buy one, eh? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Right, so we've got two sort of light-hearted ones um, coming <laughs> up next. The, the first one is, have you heard of a deep-fried... Um, Mars bun, a battered Mars bun. And this was before people found out you weren't American. So uh, get, just get this one out of the way. And There's two it. parts. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. I, I, and, I, and I saw it when, it when I was in the hotel. I saw it I, I saw it in the chip. They sell them in chip shops, right? They batter mm. them. And, and That's right, yeah. I'd like to ask your listener if he's ever heard of jelly deals from the East End of London. I mean, we're very, very considerate eating a, a bowl of jelly deals. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> So the next um, question is, what's your favourite barbecue slash smokehouse and or oyster bar in Charleston? Also that famous southern food down there mm. in uh, Charleston. Lots of, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get lost in all the names of things and everything else. But we have some great food, great restaurants in Charleston. Uh, I don't know what, my, I think a pulled pork sandwich is probably the best barbecue stuff that they do here. We have a, we have a partnership with a, a group called Home Team that, that cater our home games. If, if we get to do the game, hopefully at some time in the future, I'd recommend your fans coming here and, and the food is fantastic. So, yeah, oysters, I think yeah, there's, I mean, there's all sorts of different ones you can have and, and uh, nothing springs to mind, but you normally get the platter with all different ones. But home team barbecue, I would, I would uh, try that one whenever you're in Charleston. It, it does look good when I've seen it on the Instagram on match days. Hmm. Yeah. So the next question is, will we ever see Charleston Battery come over for a game? Obviously, you touched on that um, earlier, but yeah. will we see Charleston come over to Easter Road for a wee friendly um, in the, sometime? I mean, look, in the I'd, like, I'd like to think so, I think, but it's always the budget, and our budget's far less than yours, and, and yeah. it's hard enough getting a club to come over from Scotland to, to America. But look, I think nothing's beyond the realms of possibility. I'd like to think maybe we could. Uh, nothing would you know would, would satisfy me more than bringing the group of players over and experiencing your stadium, uh, mm-hmm. and, and uh, giving them that to, you know forever their lives to be there. So, look, I I think the, the first one I think will bring Hibernian here, and then let's see if we can uh, get the funds to, to go the other way. Mm. Absolutely, that's good. That'd be good to see you come over. And the next question is: Will we ever see the Charleston Battery tops on sale in the? Um, club store at Easter Road and vice versa because I would like to see that very smart um, shirts and also 
other clubs that are partnerships have done that. Obviously, Rangers did it with the um, American team they're in partnership with. So, is that something that we could potentially see somewhere down the line? I, I did. I saw that one, and I followed up in the office today. Saw where we were at. It, it's still ongoing. It's still being discussed. It's kind of gone down the pecking order a little bit. But, but I know there's a couple of design. I think we're looking at a half and half scarf to go in both shops um, here and, and, and over in, in Edinburgh. Um, I know that you can get the shirts online. I know there's shipping costs and all that sort of stuff. So, but but it's something we, we we're still on it, and, and it will uh, keep hammering away at us on Twitter and everything else about it, and we'll get it done. Definitely, because I would love to have. As I said, I I really love yeah. this. Season. Really, really smart. And then moving on to the last question: Can we expect to see any players stateside in the green and white soon? Any players over here? Yeah. Yeah. And. Sort of um, training or anything like that. With the, I know you touched earlier with um, training as part of Hibs and having maybe like training camps over in the yeah, state. Yeah, no, oh. I, th- I think I think we will. So we would look. So our, I think we'll end up having a couple of players go to you end of our season. And like I said, it, it's start as an experience. See what happens. And nothing would please us more than a player to get an opportunity to stay. You know, to the end of your season, and if not beyond. And the same way, you know, we we would start pre-season February one. I like to think there'll be one or two players from Hibernian training with us pre-season. And, and then, you know, it's not my job to, to tell the coach who to sign. It's up to the player then to impress the coaching staff and say, yeah, we, we, we've got to sign this player. So you just provide the opportunity. And that's both ways. You know, that's both ways. So you provide the opportunity for the players and it's up to them to, to impress, whether it be in Scotland or, or in America. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. Just to touch on that one about the the opportunity for the Charleston shirt to be sold in the Hibs Club Store, that's one that when we put out that we were having you on the podcast, that was probably one of the, the, the top questions that came in. There's quite a lot of people, quite a lot of shirt collectors uh, wanting yeah. to get their hands on a Charleston battery shirt. So if for people listening and they don't know where they can get it, where can they get a Charleston battery shirt well, online? Go to, our, go to our website, charlestonbattery.com, and there'll be a shop on there where you can, and we do ship worldwide. So... You can you can get it on there at least, and I know you can do that if, if not physically from your store. Perfect. Well, that's everything that we were wanting to catch up with you uh, on, Mike. We appreciate you taking the time to um, speak to us and uh, give our fans a little bit more of an insight into the the partnership that we've got. And thanks again for coming on. And no until problem. next, perfect. Thanks very much. Until next time, when the hubs. <laughs> Man, when